You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packers Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Not going to beat around the bush. We're going to hop into a conversation that Ryan and I had about the mentality or the philosophy, I guess, of roster building and what expectations should be for this year's draft strategy. And I think this is actually a really important conversation to listen to. I think kind of no matter where your headspace is at on this upcoming 2023 NFL draft for the Green Bay Packers, I think there's going to be some good stuff in here for everybody to consider. Hope you enjoy. All righty. Uh, Ryan, thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Sorry, I was distracted. <laughs> I went over on Twitter and there's an old man giving me the middle finger, so I'm kind of confused. Was he a Jets fan? Because a lot of them have done that recently. Maybe that's what it, he just dropped in to, <laughs> to let me know. So anyways, yeah, I'm doing good. Sorry about that. All right, for the next hour, we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers' drama and is Adetamawa Adeboare the most talented prospect in this draft class? All right, what we're actually <laughs> going to do is, is try and set some expectations for the 2023 Packers draft um, because I was musing over – just some thoughts um, and observations that I was, you know, just couldn't get out of my brain and just started venting to you and just saying, dude, I, I think that maybe we're looking at this draft a little bit wrong. So <clears throat> one of the big things I want to talk about is right now we sort of have this expectation that they're going to go heavy toward the offense in this draft because of how thin everything seems on offense. And before we talk about, some of the just observations that I had made that I was sharing with you, how dire of a need do you think bolstering the offense is right now with all these key departures of the tight ends, the wide receivers, and obviously Aaron Rodgers? Well, I I definitely think more needs to be done. Um, You know, obviously we'll talk about, you know, whether or not it needs to be the first pick or whatever, but 
Um, I, I, I'm torn because obviously we need more bodies, but a lot is going to fall on what do we actually have with the guys that we have? I mean, do we have top end talent? Do we have a number right. one guy Is Christian Watson, that guy? Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to know whether or not we really do need that, that premier player. Do we need to get Jackson Smith and Jigba or whatever the case may be? Um, but I, I, I just think we need more. We, you know, we've, we've essentially got one tight end in like two second year guys is the way I see it. And that's just not enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, something has to be done. I'm, I'm a little torn on what that exactly is. I was looking at, um, so SIS has a page that is available to anybody in the general public. You just go to nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com and you can navigate through their drop down of the NFL teams and look at what they say about the current Packers team or, or any team. And, you know, it's kind of nice. They got sort of a heat map of all the 22 players on the field and you see the negatives show up in a lot of the areas that you're expecting. So on defense, you know, the, the safeties are bottom tier. Um, they really like, you know, one of our corners. I can't imagine who that would be. And then, you know, <laughs> the other corner spot, they're a little bit more uh, wishy-washy on. They really like our all four of our linebackers who are going to be uh, starting for us. A little bit thinner sort of a, uh, a perception of our – defensive line okay that all kind of checks out with roughly where we think the defense is then you look at the offense and they're like you know a lot of the the places on the offensive line you're pretty solid they really like our guards they love David Bakhtiari of course not quite as high on center or right tackle for us big questions about um, any wide receiver not named Christian Watson Um, and obviously you know they're they have questions about Jordan Love and you look at tight end and, you know, the other two wide receiver spots, and it's like, again, down the bottom tier. And all this does kind of make sense. But one of the things that I'm kind of looking at here is that, and they got it all color-coded. So orange is good, blue is bad. There's a lot more blue on the defensive side of right. the ball than on the offensive side, which surprised me. But then I was thinking about DVOA, and I looked it up. And we were like 22nd last year on defense. And offense was freaking 11th, which doesn't sound shocked. right at all. I mean, right. my when I think back on last year, I think, you know, the defense struggled, but they kind of turned it on and got hot late. And the offense kind of struggled a lot. And then they kind of turned it on late, and then they got and got cold again toward the end of the year. That's kind of my general perception. And DVOA is like, dude, your your offense is way better than your defense. Right. Just does it doesn't really compute for me. No, I mean it, that. I mean the way you described it is my recollection also. But but like you said, I mean I'm looking at the heat map too. I can't really argue with it. You know the offensive line is great. Christian Watson's fine. You know we'll see about Jordan Love. The running backs are great. It's just a question of tight end and a couple wide receivers. But yeah, then you look at the defensive line. Not only are we thin, but there's questions about the the talent. Safety, we just don't have them, and the ones we do have are right. not very good. Stokes is a right. big question mark, and, and that's on top of the injuries to Rashawn and Stokes, and we'll see how they are coming back. So, yeah, I mean, it's you look at it and go, shoot, man, I guess I guess that is kind of correct. I can't really dispute that. Well, and I wanted to get a second opinion, so I pulled up PFF and because they, they have the exact same kind of heat map, and it basically lines up almost identically everywhere. So, you know, they again, they really like Watson. Um, they're not a, a huge fan of DeGuara or Toure or Dobbs. I can't 
really disagree with all that. Um, you know, and that's about it on the offensive side of the ball that is like below average. You know, you got yeah. Josh Myers sitting there at a 60.4, basically dead average, not really a positive, not really a negative. Um, they PFF lists Zach Tom as our starting right tackle, which I, I'm, yeah, I feel like it's a little bit early to, to claim that. And I think the SIS maybe is looking at, uh, Yash as the right tackle. Although I guess, you know, Yash technically isn't under contract at the moment. Right. So, you know, that might make, make sense there. But again, you look at the defensive side of the ball and this is where all the orange and red and yellow starts really showing up and defensive line looks kind of suspect and Stokes and Savage, you know, look suspect. And then you got Ford there who graded out well last year, but it was such a small sample size. So how confident do you really feel in that? So, Basically, you're looking at this and you're saying, even though we keep pouring all these resources into the defense and the the DVOA keeps seeming to go down every single year, (laughs) who knows why, Uh, you know, despite the questions that we have on offense and, and, you know, I have a big priority of, I would like to surround Jordan Love with so much talent that if the offense stinks, we can point the finger squarely at Jordan and say, we know he's the problem and this needs to be addressed. And my concern is every single time we've ever seen him on the field for the Packers, it feels like everything else doesn't work. You know, that game against the Chiefs, the offensive line couldn't oh, do terrible. anything. Right. Any of the preseason games, the all the receivers are dropping every single ball that hits him right in the chest. And when that happens, I look at it and I say, well, that can't be Jordan's fault that the receiver dropped, you know, every ball that hit him in the chest. But is it? I, I just want to know. I want – right to have no doubt in my mind that if the offense isn't working, that it's because of Jordan Love. No, I, I, I agree. And and I think, look, I mean, wh- where the conversation is is kind of heading, people are just tired of going defense sure. all the time and really sure. want to go offense. And I, I understand that, the burnout. Um, and again, you're kind of torn on that. But I think there, there's going to be a, a divergence between how we feel about it in terms of, you know, we want Jordan to be surrounded. We're tired of the defense, but... I think if we and and maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong about this and Gutekunst has the same thing like forget the defense we do that all the time let's load up my quarterback and all that maybe that's a thing but I think if we assume Gutekunst is going to stick to the book what is he going to do and and we've seen a track record of of first of all defense but also yep. high priority positions yep and I and I do think he also notices that defense is probably the bigger issue and he's he's going to go best player available and and we ju- I think we just got to go back and look at it and try to it's hard because we don't know what their board is and we don't know exactly what they think the priorities are but if we're going to at least make an attempt at figuring out who they're going to pick we got to get away from here's what I want and start looking at what is the Packers process and 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 again I think you're kind of on the right track in terms of saying you know if we're if we're looking at their process best player available they got like three guys on this tier where are they going to go well, where are the most holes where are the high priority positions you're looking at corner you're looking at defensive tackle we're looking at the thinness at the edge i, I think there is a high probability as much as people are going to be frustrated that we go defense again despite the fact that it feels automatic that we have to go like wide receiver sure. or tight end sure you know and, and you teed that up excellently so let's talk about what we believe that process to be. So looking at um, the last, uh, what what time span did I pull here? I got my notes. This is over the last 10 years, all right? 37% of all first-round Packers picks have been 
trench players, offense or defense. Yep. And actually, it, um, so if you, if you expand that out over across all of Packers history, it's 34%. So it's 37% in the last 10 years, 34% over all of Packers history. And over that last 10 years, that 37% of, of trench players has specifically only been defensive line, not offensive line. Um, although they have taken a lot of swings at, um, offensive line in the second round. Also, uh, you know, so they, they have other than quarterback, the only position, um, that they have addressed since I think 2002, um, that is not a, uh, a defensive lineman or a corner or a safety, um, has been, they've taken a couple of linebackers. They took AJ Hawk and Quay Walker and, um, oh, what's the guy's name from 03? Barnett, that guy. So they've taken a couple of linebackers, but otherwise it's all, it's been all DBs and defensive line. And, uh, somebody else pointed out on, uh, Packer Night After Dark the other day that nine of their last 20 first or second round picks have all been defensive backs. So there's been a bunch of corners, a few safeties mixed in there. And you look at this draft class and you and I've been talking about, you know, what our general opinion is of the depth of talent in this class. And we're saying don't really love, you know, the, the top end wide receiver talent or, you know, name all these different positions. And it's like, where, where is there some depth? Definitely at corner. And then outside of that, it's like, well, edge rusher and, and, you know, yeah. defensive line. That's all signs are pointing to, Dude, brace for them to take a freaking corner. <laughs> yeah. And if not a corner, yeah. then a defensive line. At some lineman. point. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I just I just was I just finished on the podcast getting through the last 60 or whatever, and I swear between 50 and 60 there were about five more corners. So yeah, I'm I'm at like the 11th edge rusher and probably like the ninth corner. So there there are a lot of edge rushers and corners that are uh, in the top 100 for sure. So I, I'm thinking about this and, you know, I'm not loving the way that this makes me feel. And it occurs to me that, like, there's a very high probability that when the Packers are on the board uh, or on the clock at pick 15, the best player, maybe the best two or three players are all going to be, you know, like uh, some corners and right. you know, maybe a defensive tackle here or there. And you're sitting there and I'm just thinking, what is the reaction of Packer fans across the across the great state of Wisconsin and the rest of the globe. If you're sitting there like, oh man, is this gonna be Jackson Smith and Jigba? It's gonna right. be Michael Mayer. Is it gonna, who's it gonna be? And then it's you know Keely Ringo or you know some other like like not not even one of like the really exciting you know Devin right. Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, but it's like it's just a a very Packery quarter uh, cornerback. And how are we all gonna react? And I thought I would react very badly. Yeah. <laughs> to that happening if I had not sat down and tried to prepare myself for this. So I thought maybe we should like flesh this out as a community sure. and be prepared for something like this. No, I, I agree. I mean, listen, if, if we haven't learned this as Packer fans by now, <laughs> shame on us because it's, right. it's literally every Devonte Wyatt is the only time I stood up and, and cheered for a first round pick since probably ha ha Clinton Dix. Like every single year, and that doesn't mean they don't turn into great players, but it's never the guy that we think. Whenever it's there, we're looking at it going, oh, like you said, it's got to be in Jigba. It's got to be one of the tight ends. They're all just sitting there, and we're going to take, you know, Miles Murphy or Nolan Smith or Kalijah Cansey or Deontay Banks, which would just 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it'll be something be some like guy, that. It's going to be some guy who's currently projected as like a third round pick, but then right <laughs> oh, before geez. the draft, he's yeah. going to shoot he up. Jumps and he jumps up. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll be like the, uh, the 17th highest player on the consensus board as of like the day before the draft. And then he goes at 15 to the Packers. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's just how this always tends to be. In fact, that's why I think yesterday or whatever, I was looking at like who's climbing up the boards. Cause I'm mm-hmm. trying to already prepare myself for this pick that I really was not expecting and really do not want. Man, I, I will just tell you, just between you and me and everybody listening to this podcast, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be Keely Ringo, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to try so hard to not <sighs> cry because I don't want Keely. But you look at, oh, dude, he is the most Gutekunst corner that has ever yeah. cornered. He's yep. so big and so athletic yep. and so unrefined, and you just look at him, and I'm like, dude. Gutekunst is going to look at this guy. He's going to lick his chops and go, man, imagine what we could turn him into with our elite right. DB coaches. And he's going to, you know, like, oh, uh, he, he's going to be dubbed like, you know, Kevin King. The second is basically what's going to happen. And and there's a lot of guys that are like that. You know, they, there was just sure. a guy I forgot. I mean, he's, he's, he's undersized, which means we're probably safe. They're not going to take the undersized guy, but there was uh, a corner that's got like four two six speed and that's it. Like there's nothing else desirable about him. Um, he's actually really high in the beast, uh, draft guide. Sure. And it, I'm looking at it and it's like, man, please don't do this good accounts. Cause this guy is not good, but you're right. There's so many guys, especially out of Georgia, like Keely Ringo, where all he is, is athleticism. There's nothing desirable. Like, you know, you talked about him. I went and watched him and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing good here at all. But you have to acknowledge like the, the physicalness is there and right. you're like, this feels like the guy that Goody's just going to be like, oh man, you just wait five years right. from now when he's been in our system for a while. Oh yeah. baby. Well, and, and he, you know what? He might be right, but I'm still not going to like it. Like, okay, no. cool. Maybe in a couple of years he'll meet his potential and we'll all be wrong and it'll be great and congratulations. But it's still one of those things. You just got to take your medicine and be like, well, I, I guess I get it. And hopefully he's great. Well, I also kind of wanted to think over the last few years, because Gutekunst has a couple of times drafted a position in the first round that did feel like he was addressing an urgent need. And I think the biggest example of that would have to be Eric Stokes. Like after that Tampa NFC Championship game, I think everybody's highest priority for the Packers was cornerback because every single fan was ready to kick Kevin King and then you know where send him yep. out of the door and and they 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 didn't care who the corner was just get us a corner and then it's Eric Stokes and they're like Stokes did I even watch him right. <laughs> I was going to say that's the thing it, even when he does what we want him to do he <laughs> right. didn't do what we want him to do like right. what you, like you know he's a cornerback and we're all cheering and he says Eric Stokes like Stokes who the heck is Stokes I don't even remember that guy you remember my reaction because we did the live stream for the draft last year, and uh, the first pick came in, and it was Quay Walker, and 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 you read it off, and he was like, "It's Quay Walker," and I was like, "No, you're pulling my leg. There's no way it's Quay Walker." <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, it is." I'm like, "No, this isn't funny. Shut up. It's not Quay right. Walker. He's like a third rounder." And you're like, "No, it's Quay Walker." It's I, I almost wish we were, why it came because I almost yeah. wish we were drafting in the late first round because I would know exactly the range we're going to be drafting. We always get that guy in like the forty two range. Yeah. But yeah. now that we're at 15, I'm not I'm like, what are we shooting for? Like 25 ish. And I see Brian Branch sitting at 24. I'm still haunted that that's going to be our pick. <laughs> well, we have like a, a one year sample size of what does it look like when good is drafting at, at, you know, early teens. Right. Do you remember where 
roughly where was Rashawn projected to go? Like basically where we were. I think so. Yeah. What what year was that? That was what, uh, nineteen or yeah nineteen. Let's see nineteen. If I can get this to pull up. Because one of the things Rashawn. that I've been thinking about here is you know so. Uh, uh, Stokes would be an example of a time when it felt like he drafted for a need. And then I kind of actually think Quay Walker was kind of that as well, just but in, in a little bit different way in that it felt like Joe Barry went to uh, Goody and said, this is what I need in order to run my defense. And so Goody's yeah. like, okay, linebacker it is. And then, you know, were there any – definite first round talent linebackers available. I think that he felt like Quay was kind of the only guy who really could do what they needed. And that's why he went and took him as early as he did. And, you know, looking at all the other uh, players that Goody has been taking in the first round, it's all like developmental guys. He, he goes for the, the really high upside. Like, yep. look, you know, I'm going to take Rashawn. I'm going to take Jordan love. Cause these guys, in a couple of years, they could be incredible and they could be the face of our franchise. And I don't care if they play a freaking down in their rookie yeah. season. And then they don't play for, you know, two, three years. And I, you know, I don't know that it's a bad strategy. Honestly, it seems like in the second round, uh, he really pivots, you know, a little bit harder and goes, okay, now who's somebody who can contribute kind of right away. Do, do you have the Rajan number? I do. It's at 17. So we picked at like 12, right? So it was, it was 12, about five yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. So we got to look for who's going to go about, you know, 20, 22, somewhere around there. And, uh, and, and then, then pick a position that nobody wants, but he's super, super athletic. Yeah. That's so starting at 20, you got Jordan Addison, Kalijah Cansey. Kalijah Cansey, that's Wright. it right there. I'm okay with right, that. that. Right, right. <laughs> and I know you like Kalijah, so that's why I was thinking maybe not. I'm not a big fan, but I know you like him, so it's probably not that. But I do see Deontay Banks at 23 for a corner and Brian Branch safety at 24. So that's kind of where I'm getting nervous. Uh, what's uh, – here, let me look this up. I have it right in front of me, I think. Well, maybe I didn't open it. What's uh, Brian Branch's RAS? Because if he's, like, super freaking athletic, then we found the guy. I thought it was a little disappointing, but I could be very wrong about that. I got my thing right here. I'm just scrolling I, and scrolling. just having wonderful dreams. Oh, shoot. Um, this is great podcasting as I'm scrolling, <laughs> scrolling. This is where I should be filling in, but I'm just staring at this thing here. I can't even do control F cause I'm, I'm scrolling through my worksheets. So it's oh, not even yeah. like, <laughs> and now it's giving me errors. Come on. It's spinning. Just trying to click right here. See if I, know I can find it. Click one more time. It's going to be right there. Come on. Give I'll it to me. You. If I can figure out how to use RAS. And Branch. Here we go. Brian Branch, uh, 527. This is not the dude. You're safe. You You are safe. This is not the dude. I would take, I would take Peter Skaronsky though. He's at 932. And, uh, and if there's any team in the league that is going to take a, you know, offensive lineman who's absurdly talented, who has short arms, and keep yep. him at tackle. It's the Packers. I was gonna, I was gonna say that's the thing. He's he's expected to be a guard, but it's a tackle that can play guard. So Peter yeah. Skaronski makes sense, and I do like him, especially at guard. I think he could be like the Elton Jenkins type, where he can play tackle, but he's better the more he goes inside. Sure, sure. So I took. By the way, here's. Um, I did go through the last ten years, and I looked at their second round picks. And you saw a notable shift. So whereas in the first round, the only offensive player they took was Jordan Love, um, 
you have in the second round two centers, two running backs, uh, two wide receivers, Christian Watson and Devontae, a tackle, and then four oh. DBs. So you got four defensive players, seven offensive players. So I, I, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense, especially, you know, it sounds like they're going to, they're really trying hard to pick up at least one second round pick from the Jets. So you have two right. seconds here. Hopefully you don't, you know, combine them both and trade up again this year. I didn't really care for that. Um, even though Christian played well, I, I still would like to have two players instead of one player. Uh, but that makes a lot of sense that in round two, you say, all right, let's find a wide receiver and a tight end in, in round two. I mean, they're like, it makes too much sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I, we do a great job in the second round. And if we have two opportunities, you know, obviously we got to do something with our offense, but if we have two opportunities and this is where they go offense and they have a mm-hmm. good track record. And I think there's a good amount of opportunities here, especially with the tight end position and whatnot. So yeah, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. I, you know, I think for, for me, there's um, some hesitation, I guess, about the idea of standing pat at 15, because, you know, again, I just, I don't love the top end talent right. at hardly any position in this draft. If you can trade back, if you can pick up multiple picks and, you know, let's say that you're picking, you know, forget the, the joke about the third round curse, but if you're picking multiple times in the second and third round, I think at that point, I don't think Goodkins has any hesitation with taking a bunch of swings at offensive players in right. that range. No, I, and, and that's kind of where I'm at too. I mean, we got to see how the board falls or whatever, but I mean, when I look at the guys at 15 and then I look at the guys in like the early twenties or whatever, I don't see a massive talent shift. No. I mean, again, we got to see who's there, but um, no, I, I think we can get some great players kind of if we trade back. And then again, you're talking about possibly adding a third, second round pick. It's going to be hard to pass that up. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Now, I, I did have a thought. So, you know, we're, we do have a ref, point of reference to look at for, you know, what happens when the Packers transition quarterbacks. What do they draft in the 2008 draft when they knew already at that point Aaron's probably the guy, all right? They're, yeah. they're, they didn't have a first-round pick, but they had two seconds. First guy they took was Jordy Nelson. 
Second guy they took was Brian Brown. So you're taking a okay. wide receiver and a quarterback in the second round. Does I mean, does that sound remotely remotely surprising for what they might do? You know, you, you, yeah, you want Jordan to pay off, but man, it's so important that you find the next guy. So if there is a dude sitting there that <laughs> that Goody likes, doing something like well, this, it just it, it makes so much sense. We'll see how it pans out, but I'm looking at this right now, and I and I know you're not a huge fan, but I'm seeing Hendon Hooker sitting there at 40. If he's sitting there in the second round, I don't think it's impossible. No, I don't think it's impossible either. I I, I definitely don't like his age because I think that there's right. So that much, is an issue. I think there's so much mental catch up he has to do because that offense that he runs in Tennessee, and he's very very talented. I I really love him as a player or as a college player. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen him. Um, you know, stay healthy so he can go on and, and, you know, really compete hard for the Heisman. But that offense is so gimmicky. And I, I just, I, there's so few similarities between what the Tennessee offense runs and what you do in the NFL. I, I, I do think that Hendon would have a higher degree of, you know, likelihood that he could succeed in sort of a Shanahan style offense where it takes a lot of pressure off of the quarterback. And it's more just about like, you know what, don't, don't worry about what the defense is doing. I'll tell you who to throw the ball to, and you just you know point and shoot. I, I think there's a higher degree of likelihood that he could succeed in a system like that. But I don't love that. You know, to me, he's kind of you know almost as developmental as Jordan Love was. Yeah, but he's like a, a decade older. <laughs> yeah, you don't want a 25 year old developmental quarterback. So if you think he can come in and you can plug him in, like you said, and I and I think he'd be great with that if he can learn to do it kind of quickly as far as just point and shoot and then take off and run like that's a great combination if he sure. can do that but yeah if, if you're looking at him saying this is going to take two three years you don't take a 25 year old um that's going to take three years to develop that's ridiculous speaking of uh taking three years to develop that's kind of the bar that we set on all of our rookies that you know yeah obviously you'd love to get some contributions from them earlier but really you know, can you call a guy a bust before year three? I don't really think that right. you can. And so, you know, this is this is the year for the 2020 class. So you got Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara really supposed to be stepping up and taking the reins at this point. They're kind of on schedule. And thinking about that gives me a little bit more patience in my heart for Josh Myers and Eric Stokes that like, yeah, the first two years have not gone as planned. But I promised myself I was not going to judge them a good or a bad draft pick until they were either off the team or in uh, the 2024 season. Yeah, and, and my mind also immediately goes to uh, Sean Ryan. I don't think there's anybody on the team right. that people have less hope in, <laughs> considering how <laughs> bad he was and considering it's a third-round pick. I think everybody wrote him off real quick. But, no, there's there's a lot of guys that, you know, and, and, and opportunities are part of it as well. You know, there's a lot of guys, even Josiah. I mean, he's been there the whole time, but he did have a sure. pretty bit injury to start off his career. He's been behind a ton of tight ends. Uh, now being kind of thrust, depending on who we draft, thrust into that top spot. Um, you, you know, again, like you said, this is year three. This is your opportunity to shine and sink or swim. Either you do it or you don't. But, yeah, I mean, th there are a lot of guys I think we we kind of write off a little too quickly. And um, we'll, we'll see. Stokes is another big one. You know, he really only played one year. but. Um, another high upside guy that we all kind of shook our head at, but you know, maybe he does pan out. And if he does, we got a really good football player. Yeah. And you know, 
looking at uh, Deguara, tight end in particular is one of those positions that it, it seems like hardly any tight ends ever produce anything prior to year three. And so yeah. this is another thing that, that I've been thinking about, you know, as this whole episode, I guess is about team building or roster building rather, you know, we want them to draft a Michael Mayer or somebody to contribute this year. And you know what? I, I love Michael Mayer, the prospect. And if he, you know, comes over here and struggles for two years, and doesn't really contribute to anything until what's three years from now, 2026. If he doesn't really contribute to anything until 2026, oh, well, um, or maybe that'd be 2025 because three is his first year, three, four, five. So 2025. Yeah. But point being, um, you know, can we actually lean on rookie tight ends this year? I and mean, to me, I, it feels like with tight ends being such an important part of our, of our offense and, and how much they really want to run the offense through our running backs and the problems we've had trying to run block over the last two years, even though mm-hmm. last year there was some improvement, but you know, our offensive line is still in some flux. We still don't really know who our right tackle is going to be. Now we don't have any tight ends except for our H back, but we're totally missing the Mercedes Lewis, you know, inline blocker type of tight end that we need yeah. And even if you bring in, you know, my favorite guy in this draft class who, uh, who who fits the mold of that Mercedes role, who's Luke Schoonmaker. I mean, I, what expectations should I even have for a guy like Schoon in year one to come in and be this powerhouse run blocker? Right. I shouldn't have any expectations. And so, I mean, they, I, I think you have so few tight, tight ends that you can lean on that. Yeah, you got to draft for a future, but you got to sign for this year. I think that, I think that tight end is not a position when you don't have anybody in your roster. I don't think that's a position you can address in the draft for the current year. Yeah, and I think generally, as far as as um, team building goes, I think it's important that you need to go into the draft making sure that if there are any yeah. deficiencies that are so bad that you feel like you can't field this, like safety or tight end or whatever it is, like we cannot run our offense, we cannot run our defense, you have to address that prior to the draft because otherwise you go into the draft saying at all costs we have to get Brian Branch or we have to get Michael Mayer or we can't field our football team, and now you're putting yourself in a position where you're not doing what you need to do as far as the draft, which is take the best player available. You're being ridiculous. So, And and again, these are guys you can't count on because they're rookies, even if they're really good. So you have to go out and you need to at least set that floor. There, you know, hey, this guy isn't great. I'm not talking about go out and find the top guy or whatever. I forget who the new guy is at oh Buda Baker. Um <laughs> yeah, you, you, I'm not talking about the big name. I'm just talking about find a veteran that can yeah. set a floor so that you can actually go out and function and then just go out and get the best player available rather than, you know, being in panic mode. He's done a good job of that the last well, I mean, the whole time he's been here, where on draft day, I think you usually look at the roster and you're like, oh, come on. You you have to draft, you know, we'll just say wide receiver. You have to draft sure. a wide receiver because Sammy Watkins, who you signed last week, can't be the answer. You're saying, no, Sammy Watkins is the answer. And then yeah. if I happen to draft a wide receiver today, then that guy can be the new answer. But until I draft a guy... The guy that I brought in is the answer. And I, I frankly, I think looking at this roster, the way it's constructed right now, tight end stands out head and shoulders above everything else, even safety, because at safety, I, I think that Goot would look you square in the face and say, oh, Tarverius Moore, 
and uh, uh, Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford. That's my plan. And, yeah. and, you know, maybe he drafts somebody or signs somebody else later, but I think that he would, I think he would feel, um, you know, uh, comfortable saying that to your face. And then at tight end, so you got Josiah DeGuara and then, you got nobody else. You got, you know, Tyler Davis. Yeah. Give me a break. You got Nick Gugamos and Austin Allen. I mean, that we carry four tight ends of the roster every single year. That's the four right there, right now. I mean, is, is, would Goody say, yes, Nick Gugamos is part of the plan? He does not have the minimum number of tight ends that he needs to field a football team right now. I, I, I really think he needs to make an addition to the roster in some way at that position. Maybe that's just bringing back Mercedes. But you got to do something there before draft day or your hands are tied to where this is this is the last opportunity that I have where I'm guaranteed to get a player because going forward, I don't know for sure that I can find a guy in a free agency who can play football for us. And we can't run our freaking offense without tight ends. Yeah, and that, and that's that's an important point too. Like all those years, we said, "Why won't he get a wide receiver? Why won't he get a wide receiver?" Because he had Devontae. And, well, and 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 he liked the guys we had. We, yeah. You know, everybody else is like, "Oh, this is a disaster." No, he likes Dallin Lazard. He likes Marquez Valdez Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown and those guys. And, and that's the answer. He likes the core that we have. So we're everybody else is throwing a fit. I can't believe this. You're not. He's looking at it. Go. That's not an issue. That's not right. our problem. We we've got right. issues over here. So you're right. I mean, I think you're right with the the safety. Not that not that he wouldn't like it to be better, but again, we're just talking about setting the floor. He's got Savage, he's got Ford. I mean, there's Dallin Levitt that's been there, Tarvarius Moore. I don't know how he our lads has him all the way at the start. I don't know how he jumped up to there, but whatever. Again, I think he's looking at it saying, "Yes, we could do better, but this the floor is set. This is our crew. I'm not in panic mode about safety." Yeah, they actually I think um I'm not sure my thing is updated here, but I think we currently have seven safeties on the roster and nine cornerbacks. So like, you know, you can be upset about the quality of the right. safety position, but you can't, you know, be frustrated with the quantity. And it's not, it's not even just like riffraff. It's, you know, guys who you, there's, there's guys on there that you're like, well, okay, I do want Tarvarius more on the roster. I just don't want him to be the starter, you know, but then you look at tight end can you find me anybody who wants any of Tyler Davis, Austin Allen, and Nick Gugamos on the roster? I'm not even sure that Matt LaFleur would say he wants anybody but Tyler Davis. I, I was going to say, we, we have to admit, despite my slight disdain, they like Tyler Davis, and they seem to at least appreciate Josiah. But but beside that, I mean, these are guys that are going to get cut. You know, Nick Gugamos is that guy that's not going to make it past training camp. So, yeah, we don't have the people. Uh, if, if you were to kind of construct in, in your mind the um, order of, you know, the, the greatest degree to which with our second and third round picks, which is where Goody kind of seems to be trying to find talented guys who can contribute relatively early. All right. So we're throwing out, you know, the first round. But if we're just saying positions that he could be targeting that you think would move the needle the most for this year. How are you kind of, of, you know, ranking these, you know, offense and defense. And I'm thinking, you know, offensive line is still one of those positions that, you know, really, you know, if you, if you got a guy of Elton Jenkins quality, who was a back of the second yeah. round pick and we're, you know, 25 picks ahead of that right now, I think, um, 
I guess that was 2019. So he was, he was kind of an earlier second round pick, but regardless point being you, you could land a guy of his quality. And I think that that really does move the needle for your offense still in a pretty big way. What, how are you kind of ranking your top few needs uh, for, for this draft? Yeah. I think the hard part is that the, Bigger needs are not necessarily the highest value positions, so safety sure. and tight end and whatnot. But I also wouldn't want to forget about, for example, pass rusher. Like if you find a really high-quality guy to put with Rashawn and Preston, because I don't think we have yeah. a ton of depth. Kingsley's fine. Um, defensive tackle still, as much as it's, it feels like we swing at that constantly. I mean, we, we've got Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and TJ Slayton, you know, and, and that's pretty much I mean, it. And that is two firsts and a fifth. I'll just point that out. we got two first round picks right. at defensive tackle. I feel like I feel like there's not a lot of teams in the league that are leaning on only just you know oh poor us we only have two first round defensive right. tackles. How are we ever going to get by and stop the run? Right. Yeah. So and and you know again offensive line is very important, but I don't know necessarily the need. Um, so it, it's, it's tough because there's like a, a balancing act, right? Cause if, if you look at it, okay, so tight end and then safety and then this and this, but then when you adjust for the value of the position, it just feels like a flat line. So I'm, I'm fine with defensive tackle, edge rusher, safety, tight end, probably offensive line. Although we may kind of have that figured out wide receiver. Um, it's, it's really hard to kind of put it into rankings because there's, there's there's several questions first of all how much talent do we have like at wide receiver I don't know the answer to that question offensive line I'm not sure because I don't know who our right tackle is I don't know if Josh Myers is going to take a step um then there's you know the, the the question of of do we have depth there's the question of the value of the position so I'm kind of just looking at a pile that I really would like to have addressed and if we can do that in the first two rounds fine but again what's probably going to happen is we're going to take a corner and I'm just going to throw my hands up and say, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do here. All right. Uh, you know, you brought up the uh, quality of the wide receivers. And I, th- this is something that's been a little bit on my mind recently is that there's kind of two, you know, say that, let, let's say that you can only take one swing at wide receiver because mm-hmm. you, you try and take, you know, one swing first. And then after that, just the board falls wrong. Okay. You only get one swing at wide receiver here. Two different directions you can go with wide receiver. I'm curious your thoughts on this. One is you try and find a second speed demon like Christian Watson. Yeah. You know, it's great that we have one, but what if we had two so that number one, Christian can go take a breather, you know, cause he's run up and down the field every single play. He can go take a breather. And that doesn't mean that all of a sudden the defense doesn't have to respect our, our offense anymore. And sometimes you can send them both down the field at the same time. And then, Hey, Good luck trying to cover both of them at the same time. You know, you're you're gonna have to put every DB you have out there to try, try and stop that. All right. Yeah. This is strategy number one. Strategy number two, one I've talked about a lot, so you know that it's one that I like. <laughs> you get a guy more in the vein of a Devontae Adams. Yeah, I'm not talking about the caliber of player right, Devontae right. is, but just the style that he is. And then I think that J- that JSN fits somewhat into that mold of really hurts you a lot underneath, you know, close to the line of scrimmage, just kind of a chain mover, you know, every single time he touches the ball. And I think A.T. Perry from Wake Forest is another one of these guys where, like, every time he touches the ball, boom, it's another freaking first down and you just want to kill yourself. This is kind of what <laughs> Tom Brady and the Patriots did to everybody right, for right. a thousand years. Okay. So 
like like two options here. One is like the complimentary, like, hey, Christian is stretching the field and Jackson or Perry or whoever is taking advantage of that space and making the defense choose, hey, you know, do we really try and just stop you from getting the first down or do we just really try and stop you from getting 60 yards and a, and a touchdown, okay, versus two Christian Watsons because, you know, you look at like a Jalen yeah. Hyatt and we've heard that the Packers really like Jalen Hyatt because he's such a speed demon and they think that, He's kind of like another Christian Watson in that regard. Well, I, I guess I would say I'm curious about the first strategy more so than, you know, all in on it, uh, only because Miami seems to be it, – it's one of those things where Miami has it and everybody looks at it and says, how do you stop it? And it's like, well, I don't know. Nobody's ever done this. There has to be a reason, right? They, sure. There's got to be some kind of a weakness, but but they just seem to, to really – stress defenses and so I'm I guess I'm curious about that in terms of is that a direction that we could be heading if you know could we get ahead of the curve and you know if you have Hyatt and that but I, I I guess I lean more toward the safe side especially since I watched Hyatt and I I didn't like him as much as I hoped that I would I really hoped that I was going to watch him and just fall in mm-hmm. love and say let's just do it but I really didn't um and a lot of these guys I haven't gone through a ton of receivers yet but um I just, I just can't get into it. There's a lot of red flags. There's a lot of smaller guys. You know, there are shifty runners and all that. But, you know, when you really look at it, it kind of feels like Jackson Smith and Jigba or possibly Quentin Johnston um, are the kind of guys that you want to lean on just because they, they just have that he's a real, genuine NFL football player, right. high caliber, no flags, like very high floor probably can contribute year one. Um, I, I guess my only question, not that it's really a problem because he can play in the slot and all that, but in terms of leaning towards strategy one is if we kind of already have that in Dobbs. If he yeah. can be that chain mover, if he can be that route runner, that Devontae guy, then you kind of look at it and go, I don't know, maybe you do want another Hyatt. And then you got your two speed guys, you got Dobbs. I mean, either way, we're going to need several different wide receivers. Um so it's not going to be impossible. And and there's other fast guys. So maybe you can get a Jackson and then find a, a, a different, not a Jalen Hyatt in the fourth, fifth round or whatever. I don't know. But I, I, I just feel more comfortable and safer trying to find a guy that that is just a reliable target, not the two sure. receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown guy, <laughs> right. more the, you know, nine receptions for 95 yards and 17 first downs, you know. Right. Um, that, that's, that's a little bit more what I would like just, just because we, especially in this offense, I mean, you look at what, uh, Jordan Love seems to be doing. I looked at some of his stats and I, I, this past year, obviously very small sample size, but he was at the top of just about every metric. I mean, it was really impressive, but the thing is he got the ball out quick and he did not throw the ball very far down the field. It was just very quick, efficient, you know, move. And then you take that one shot down the field to Watson, but we need a guy that can be that, you know, five yards, seven yards, three yards, five, you know what I mean? Just consistently it was kind of missing the last chain. year, I felt like. Yeah. And so, I mean, maybe, again, maybe we have it in Dobbs, but so what? If we have Dobbs and in Jigba that can both be those guys that can reliably get open. And we're just, you know, like you mentioned the Patriots, it's just the pass rush is useless because it's just drop back, boom, balls out first down, drop back, boom, seven yards, run the ball. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of frustrating offense that I think we can really utilize and you don't really need more than Watson although again I'm very curious about the other style of offense I think if we can get several guys that can just be chain movers and have Watson in the style of offense that that love seems to be playing I think that's kind of ideal 
Well, I, you know, I think one of the things that we heard last year, and I, I kind of threw my hands up at this one because I felt like I just wasn't quite able to evaluate it myself. You know, I, I, I didn't know that I was quite smart enough from a football standpoint to evaluate whether this is true. But what we heard over and over again, um, like from opposing defensive coordinators, from Matt LaFleur, that one of the things that they were missing is that like the, the offense was getting so very compressed. I think like, the, right. I think the, uh, the Detroit game where, uh, where Aaron threw, you know, like three interceptions in the end zone, that was like the breaking point of like, it was, everything was so freaking compressed Yep. and everybody kept saying like, you just don't have a guy who's fast enough. And then lo and behold, Christian Watson comes back from injury and it's not an issue anymore. Yep. And I don't know. We had like what, like one game or two games total where Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs both played the whole game. And it was like our, right. you know, most productive game of the whole year. And so, you know, you get encouraged by that kind of thing. It, and it does make you kind of think like, man, we kind of do need a contingency plan for if Christian misses time, especially considering, you know, his build, he is kind of a slighter guy mm-hmm. seemed to get a little bit more banged up last year than some of our other receivers. And you think back to the previous year, what did you keep hearing about that NFC or the um, uh, divisional round game against the 49ers? Cause we didn't have MVS and everybody kept saying it's, cu- it's because you don't have MVS right. that the offense didn't work because you didn't have that deep threat and they didn't have to respect it. And they were daring Aaron to throw deep because they didn't think he'd do it because they didn't have the guy who would go down deep and, and get it and all that. So it does make well, you kind of lean that direction. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because MVS was not that entirely useful as a wide receiver in terms no. of receptions, but he was extremely valuable because his entire job was to stretch the field out. Because like you said, if it's compressed, there's not space. If you got a guy running fast, like Christian Watson does, he creates space. Then you get your Romeo Dobbs and your Jackson Smith and Jigbas, and they just operate within the space that's now been created. And that's what makes it difficult. But if you don't have the guy that can stretch the field, they compress the field, and there's no space to operate within. And that's when you get the frustration where – Rodgers has nowhere to go with the ball, and he's throwing the ball away, screaming at everybody because there's not there's nowhere to go. Yeah, and you know I'm looking at this draft class, and I'm trying to find the guy who is like the true burner. Yeah, e- even if he does have you know I don't know, like let's say like Romeo Dobbs level concerns, or, or you know maybe I don't even know who to say, but like somewhere in between a Christian Watson and a Romeo Dobbs level of concerns. It feels to me like a bit of a slower wide receiver class overall. I'm looking at all the 40 times, a lot of four fours and four fives. And you got, um, you know, my guy, Andre Yosevash out of Princeton. He runs a four, four, three. He doesn't sound super fast. It's kind of one of the faster 40 times in this draft class. You know, I mean, just looking at all these guys. I have a little filter set on this that like flashes red whenever a guy is um, slower than a four five. And that's, it's more than half of the group is is yeah. red. So I, I see just a couple guys who kind of have that crazy speed. Like Christian Watson ran a four three six. So I see a uh, four three eight is Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia. Um, who uh, everybody I have talked to who has watched his tape kind of hates what he does, and they're like, you know whatever any of the haters said about Christian Watson as a, as a prospect, like that's all very true about Bryce Ford Wheaton for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, four, three, nine, another one of those guys. The only other guy that I've seen who's really that fast 
got a four three one Shedrick Jackson out of Auburn, but then his grades are like garbage. Right. I mean, just horrible. So I you know, I just don't know that there is that that real speed demon in this class. You know, it's like I guess just Jalen Hyatt and then kind of just some more like MVS level of players to where like that's the only thing you think they're gonna contribute. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing. You you gotta really you know, we can theorize about what we need, but ultimately you got to take what the, what the draft has given you. And right. I, I do have a lot of issues with, like I said, with uh, at least as far as I've gotten size, even with corner, some of these guys, like I get it, but there's no way he's 178 pounds and right. he can't tackle anybody because they're too big. So I, you know, I just, I just can't do it. So in those situations, it's like, again, you just got to take what's given to you. And if you would like that, that's great. But if it's not there, we got to go in a different direction. So yeah, there there might be more of these slight shifty guys that that can operate within space than there are the the Christian Watson replacements. All right, uh, give me your percent chance that the first round pick at fifteen is a defensive player. Give me a percentage out of a hundred. Oh boy, I'm trying to get back to all here. The the only reason I would, I'm trying to look. I feel like it's offense is heavy, but I guess it's not entire. There's a lot of offensive linemen. Um, Skaronsky, Johnson, you got Jackson Smith and Jigbo, you got Bijan, Broderick Jones, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, but... Why are you listing all these first-rounders? Look for the third-rounder who's going to rise, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, Yeah, it's tough because it, I just... I just as much as I'm looking at the offensive linemen, it just feels weird. Like they just haven't really done that. So, you know, I mean, and then you got potentially some guys like what happens if Jalen Carter falls or Tyree Wilson falls or Devin Witherspoon falls into their range sure. or something Sure. or possibly trading up or whatever. I, I I'll, I'll put it slightly above and say like 55% that it's defense. Okay. I I'll, I'll tell you if, if Skaronsky is there, Goody does seem to have uh, some appreciation for like, you know, the Packer people sort of thing. Like yep. um, uh, Amari Rogers was at, you know, asked the Packers to draft him. He's like, I want to play with Aaron Rodgers." Yeah. And then, you know, Christian Watson's dad played for the Packers. Peter Skaronsky's grandpa was part of the, the Vince Lombardi teams, you know, Bob Skaronsky tackle for 11 freaking seasons with the Packers. And he seems like a fantastic player. That dude, that that just feels like a slam dunk if he's available. That, that Goody right. would say, "Oh man, I'm going to follow my heart here because that's what he does." <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's also why I think uh, we need to watch out for that Cody Mock guy out of North Dakota State. Yeah, because well, I what, watched what, him. What's the connection with him? I forget. Well, I don't think there's much of a connection, but I watch him and he just looks like David Bakhtiari. His helmet <laughs> popped off, and he like did that whole thing where he swung his head back and just put his hair back like Bakhtiari or Clay. He's a he's a farm boy from North Dakota. He's been working the farm since he was five. It's like, dude, that that guy's got Packers written all over him. He's got a little bit more like Royce Newman to his face, though. Like a little David, bit, because David Bakhtiari is like almost like a model. And then I, you know, I think <laughs> I think Clay was a model. So it's like a little bit more of like the Royce Newman mullet thing. Going yeah, a little little bit more. He's got the jorts going on and everything. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Ryan. Thank you for hopping on here. This has been a blast. Um, Hope that uh, we have persuaded the listeners, hey, listen, start thinking about what that first round pick is going to look like because it's probably not what we think. And, like, just brace to be okay with that because I promise by draft day I will have found it in my heart 
to be okay with Keely Ringwood. That's who's going to Yeah, I will not be okay with it, but I, <laughs> I, I will I will do my best to keep my mouth shut. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Yep. Take it easy. <laughs>